Hey, 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 it's Feo J and you're tuned into The Motion, where we get conversation moving in the best way possible. From music to culture to politics to fashion, this podcast is guaranteed to get your emotions in motion. Each episode, I'm joined by some guests with conflicting opinions, and they engage in a little bit of a tug of war with my opinion, hoping to sway my vote to their side of the motion and win the debate. Goodbye, bye, baby. Today's topic is going to be looking at whether we need to stop having children. I saw this family, they had like 14 kids, and I think they still had twins on the way. I love children as much as the next guy, but I just thought like, what is the actual need of so many children? And then when you think about the state of the world, environmentally, the state of the world, socially, the state of the world, politically, I was just a bit like, is it actually fair to bring children into this world? But... I understand that's a very pessimistic view and there is like, you know, all the beauty of having children. So I'm joined by Skandamana. He is a Belgian Tunisian graduate from Lancaster University, a student of philosophy and politics with interests ranging from environment to development. And he is also a co-host and co-creator of the Human Odyssey podcast, an educational show about climate change and the environment from scientists, activists and leaders. On the other side, we have Enel Annie, who graduated from Warwick last year and realised that she had a passion for human rights in her second year, particularly the ones of women and children. The issue particularly affects women and children, so she thought it'd be important for her to voice her opinion on this. Before we get into the activities of the debate, sticking with the theme of children, I wanted to ask what the silliest thing you did as a child was. There was one time that um, my mom told us not to play with some beads, and she came home and saw them on the floor, and obviously I had played with them. She blamed it on my twin sister, actually, and my mom kind of, like, be her. I owned up to it. But then my sister had already collected what I was supposed to collect. She still talks about it till today. Yeah, she's not she's not forgiving me. And we're like five. When you take someone else's beating, it actually does stay with you. The same thing happened with me and my sister. And um, Skanda? Uh, when I was on the scout camp, there's this big hill and I kind of snuck off on my own and took this like sort of plastic like surf thing and tried to surf down this massive, massive hill, like uh, almost like a little mountainside. And I ended up catching a, a rock on the way down because I was on my stomach. Ooh. And then I ended up getting a massive, like a, a huge kind of streak down my my uh, wow. my chest. The body shop were doing promotions. They had orange juice and box fizz. And so I was like five years old and I accidentally had the box fizz. When I was like, mom, the orange juice is fizzy. And she was like, that's champagne. I started <laughs> crying like straight away. I thought I was going to get arrested. And oh, like, no. if you know me now, it's probably very surprising yeah. underage drinking would make me cry. Alcoholic since since young. <laughs> Edel will be arguing that we need to look at having less children and Skander the opposite side. With all of that out of the way, let's get into these opening statements. I'm quite in favor of having almost as many children as, as you want because I really believe deep down the problem isn't due to overpopulation. I think that's a myth that we've been fed. I do believe that everybody has a right to do, especially women, they have the right to do with their bodies what they want to do, essentially. But then I think that's speaking on a broad spectrum because I think a lot of my understanding of this or what I see of this is from this perspective of being in Nigeria. So I kind of believe that um, in terms of the large family sizes, a lot of times it's the poor people that have larger family sizes. I mean, it's not a fault of their own, like they aren't contraceptives, things like that. If 
contraceptives were provided for them, they would be able to work, they would have less children, their children can go to school, like money can be allocated properly, they can add to the economy and, you know, things would be better. Let's even mention the amount of children who are like, they are either orphaned or street children. The adoption system in Nigeria is not great and in fact you would go through a lot of stress to try and adopt a child. If that was allowed to happen freely, things would be a bit better. You don't have to have that many children yourself, you can actually adopt. Now time for me to interrogate Scanner and Eno with some of these questions, stir the pot a little bit and dig a little deeper into some of these ideas. My first question to you, Skander, is this myth of overpopulation. Could you go a little bit more into how it's like a myth that overpopulation is like a cause of climate change? If everyone lived like people live in India, let's say, we wouldn't even use the yearly resources of our planet. But if everyone lived like the US does, we would need the amount of resources that Earth has, but times four every year, which is just unsustainable, right? Our system only works to allow us to live the way we do because others don't live in that kind of system. We're seeing more and more that the system we have, name the beast, but uh, like <laughs> capitalism and, and hyper-consumerism are both kind of like the leading cause of this. And unfortunately, a lot of people who don't want to change the system often go to the idea that the world is overpopulated, that we don't have enough food to feed people, we don't have enough space for people, no water, etc, etc. And there is enough food for people, there are ways to get more food out of our land than we already do, well enough space for a population of 10 billion. The, the question isn't really how many people we can have, it's more in this kind of system, how many people can we have? And then in another kind of economic system, we could definitely have more. Do you see that changing? Every conversation, you know, everyone ends up talking about how bad our system is. I feel like when we look at it in like a system, it's a lot harder to make those changes. But when people start to look at us as like individuals within the system and accept their role within this large system, they're looking at, I guess, driving a different car or like having less children or being vegan and stuff like that. Coca-Cola started like telling people, okay, if you're not recycling, then that's your fault. But at the end of the day, if you put your Coca-Cola can in a recycling bin, it's most likely going to end up somewhere in Malaysia and be burned alongside the normal trash that you threw out. Uh, one of my friends actually had a really funny uh, event where like, he lived in a flat, right? And he had two chutes going down for trash. One of them was recycling and the other one was uh, general trash to be burned. When one day he kind of like snooped around, he saw that both of them ended up in the same place, in the same bin. And that's literally what's happening to to our planet like everyone thinks that individual choices can make a massive difference but if the systemic level doesn't really reflect that then individual changes is just you know it's just illusory like we're being led off track and told yeah, you can change the earth, but no, you, you can't. That is a fair point. I'm going to move over to you now, Eno. Environmentalism and, you know, climate change and that whole fight, it is very whitewashed. That whole, like, vegan aesthetic, you know, hashtag <laughs> vegan. And yeah. so I feel that a lot of the changes now, it's a bit like, okay, I as, like, a white man have had all, like, my life to live. This flashy car and the big house, raising emissions, all of that. And it's like, oh, I'm now 50. I now realise, you know, the green way to live. Other sides of the world don't, like, have as much to enjoy because the Western side of the world has realised that, you know, things that they did in the past are now wrong. I understand. It's, like, one of the main contributors to why the world is so messed up, but then we're having to, you know, pay. But at the same time, 
I do feel like, especially in places where the resources are horrible and people are not even looking after children, children can't go to school for free, you know, things like that. Healthcare is horrible as well. I'm speaking from a place of privilege. I understand that. I don't live the lives that a lot of people in Nigeria live. So it's also kind of unfair of me to exactly to say these things to and about them. But I think for me, I just want the lives of Nigerian women to be better. I want Nigerian women to be able to do the things that they want to do. I also want children to have the opportunities that they deserve to have. It's difficult because I don't know about you guys, but I look outside, it's like, what what's going to do me today? Is it pollution? Is it racism? Oh, it's sexism, you know? Which one is it going to be? And so I just feel like when I look around and it's not getting better, I don't understand like what, non-selfish reason I would have to bring a child into this world other than I want it mini me and so Skander like find me like a non-selfish reason to bring a child into this crazy world but I I totally understand though like what you mean about Nigeria (laughs) especially like more than like 10% of uh, maternal mortality in Nigeria alone of the whole world like that's that's insane you have a 1 in 22 chance to die during pregnancy in Nigeria Whereas like in the UK, it'd be more like one in 5,000. And I guess for me, it's, it just comes down to choice. Like if if you want to go ahead with that and, and, and risk it, then, you know, go ahead. But And I hope that, you know, the, the healthcare is good enough and that the your like just general luck as well as good. But I'm sure those rates are, you know, correct. But even in the UK, it may be one in five on average, but exactly. if you actually, you know, separate it by different demographics and different, the numbers are actually okay. really scary. Any number above zero is, is scary, honestly. This choice thing, a lot of us will say that, you know, we're pro-choice. I know you said you're opening that you would never tell a woman like what they can do or whatever. I find that it's often presented, which I understand because that's like what the focus is now. Like no one's fighting against people having children now. People are fighting against people terminating. And so that's where the focus needs to be. But I still think that the same idea can be applied this way in the sense that like, it is my body. If I want to have 10 children, I can have 10 children. No, I completely understand. I understand your point. Like I understand what you're saying. I don't want to keep on using this country as an example but then i feel like sometimes in this country it's it's kind of almost men have control over women's bodies even this having many children it's not really the woman's choice it is the man's choice Mm. and thinking of even like people who have you know the resources to have many children again like there's like over 100 million children who are orphaned globally like period there are these many children and they need a home and you know they need certain things and you can provide that for them i just don't understand the disconnect with having your own child and you know actually adopting i don't understand why people don't think that's the way to go but then again choice is also in the matter so we're all sort of fed these ideas of like this nuclear family from young like when you look at i guess why do people think that they have to have children traditional reasons am i having children because i feel it's my religious duty am i having children because i want to you know keep up with the labor force and stuff like that i know it wasn't exact question scandal but if you have any thoughts on that i think overall you know living in some form of ways better than not living at all, I'd say. You wouldn't know if you were not here. Let's say like in Europe, right? Or like North America or like the the West, I guess we call it. I think life has never been as good as it has been uh, for those countries. 
as it is today. We're living at the best time in the war in this history in terms of Europe and North America. But for some people, it's not like that. Even in the UK, like the story is completely different. Completely, like not only understand but empathize as well. I'm very big on on movements of. Uh, I mean, I'm you know I'm a lefty myself, but overall, I think like, the moments of happiness, even if they're fleeting. It's better in my eyes than non-existence. Generally, worldwide, I don't think that we currently live in a child-friendly environment, and like that's just my main thing. Fact. Do you not feel like as quality of life increases, like, there is literally like a negative effect on the environment? It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, but is it? That's kind of like a, a false dichotomy, right? Like, because it's it's almost like either we <laughs> we get richer or we destroy the environment. There's a lot of groups and and theories and like philosophies and economic theories that that show that you can have really high standards of living without destroying your environment. We have such a human above nature uh, philosophy that we think, you know, we have to destroy the environment to create, but that that doesn't have to be the end point. We can do things like creative destruction, which is like cyclical economy, where whatever we take out of the environment, we can put back in. There's a lot of this idea that uh, Europe and North America are like the end point of development, which is not true at all. What are practical ways that you think that we can like transition into this different way of living or different way of thinking? So, so the biggest thing we could probably do, as at least uh, in Western countries, so I'm just talking about, let's say, like the UK, Europe, is uh, to stop interfering in so many international wars and coups and things like that. I can't tell you the amount of countries that have tried to get better and have just been stopped dead short by America, UK or Europe. Brazil, for example, uh, President Lula in the early 2000s lifted 40 million people out of poverty in one term, but he was put to jail with like really fake charges and the US kind of helped uh, initiate that. And if you look at like Africa, 22 presidents have been killed since the 1960s by France alone. These cause a lot of the problems that we're seeing in terms of development and I think the single biggest thing we can do to help those, like what we call developing countries, is to just leave them alone. <laughs> but I guess in terms of environment, I'd say de-electrifying. We need to stop using so much energy because what we don't know is a lot of the energy we use comes from places like Africa. A lot of it, let's say from Congo, from the south side of Congo, where like a quarter of children are minors. By using less resources, we can affect those countries. We're halfway through the episode, which means it's time for a listener interlude. But before then, if you made it this far, it means we're doing something right. So pause, send the episode to a friend, and come right back. We have a young listener who had a lot to say about the Kendrick versus Drake section of last week's Battle of the Goats. Here's what Yanni from London had to say. Okay, Waz, so you can call Kendrick a bun for not dropping. He hasn't dropped because he puts time and effort into what he does, not going around dropping singles like Grease or that new one where he says baby every five seconds and stares into the camera slowly. Years that Kendrick wasn't even dropping, we've seen Drake get booed off stage, get destroyed by Pusha T and end up crying to LeBron James, and then just try and make TikTok hits. For some reason, that makes him miles ahead of Kendrick. These hits that you go on about are appealing to a generation that banged Gucci gang for a whole year and let 6 9 blow up. Kendrick doesn't even try and go for hits and still dominates every single time he drops. Name a time that Kendrick has dropped and been dominated by another artist for that year. Kendrick has never been dominated by Drake any year. Drake is and has always been a pop artist since 2016 and we've got another album called Certified Loverboy which says it all. It's probably going to be the most light-skinned mixtape of 2020. Drake is talented but he's not touching Kendrick in terms of greatest rap artists. 
Tell him again. If you watch this episode, you know that my flag was obviously riding high for Kendrick. But I will say, laugh, cry now, later. Laugh now, cry later is a grower. As with most Drake songs, they're growers. But it doesn't mean I'll be listening to it in a year. But let's get back to the kids. It's now time for the main debate. So Skander and Edel, you no longer have me as a buffer. It's time to directly face each other. Skander, when you initially said like climate change isn't like, it's not the hugest thing that's affecting the world. What did you mean by that? Right now, there are definitely issues like wars and stuff that are causing a lot more pain than climate change. Climate change isn't... Uh, the biggest like present issue that's causing the most pain in the world right now but it's the one with the biggest potential for pain it has the power to literally turn our planet dead there are places like for example that are having like droughts and stuff like that like you're right like capitalism and stuff like that consumerism like they all go hand in hand in my opinion like they all have leading effects on each other you can see that you know the amount of meat that we're farming right now is causing greenhouse gases and whatnot and that's because capitalism has made it so that we're like consuming a lot i don't think you can say it's not a big issue big issue but it's not the biggest issue like it's kind of like on the same i feel like the burden of proof doesn't have to be on me because i feel like i've explained that it's like the extent to which it can literally turn our planet into a barren desert world so i i I don't understand how you don't see it. When I think about wars, a lot of it stems from, say, like, resources or, like, you know, external issues that aren't just, like, people to people. Having, like, environmental privilege in the sense of, like, what your environment is and, like, what your environment may be, like, post-war. So I think what Edel's just saying is that they're all connected, which I think I'd agree with. Climate change is what's called a multiplier, like a threat multiplier. Whatever factor you have of, let's say, wars or droughts, climate change comes in and just multiplies it by insane numbers. We're people that like can't really focus on the long term very well. <laughs> I don't know about you guys individually, but even me, like I'm terrible at long term planning. We have to, we have to. If we want our species to, to survive, if we want like all of our cultures, if we want to save humanity as a whole, we have to act for the long term. Simplifying like a huge problem i feel like we have a, like a lot on our plate and i and i don't know exactly. how bringing like more people onto the plate or onto the table Fuck. will help us even like when we're like messing up so much like mm -hmm. right now i guess it's because you have to kind of have that systemic change at the same time like obviously if if i advocated for the current system i think i would say to limit populations but because I'm advocating for a system that can take in a lot more people, I choose to advocate for no limits because in my like in the systems that I study and that I see working, it, they clearly clearly show that families can have can have a lot of children and we still have a perfectly healthy planet. When we were kind of talking about the the non-value of life, whether life is worth living or whether it's better to just not have lived. One of my favorite philosophers, Albert Camus, puts this and, and asks in his book, The Myth of Sisyphus, why don't we then kill ourselves? This is like a, a very like a direct question, I guess, but why do you think that people, if life is better to not be lived, why do people not just kill themselves? And also why do people keep having children even though they know that life can be difficult. Woo! 
<laughs> That's a dark question. I mean, we are already existing. I think we're talking about people who have not even yet existed. Like, they don't even know they're going to exist. For some people, because of their beliefs, whatnot, they kind of feel like they have to exist. Some of us are existing to better the existence of other people. Yeah, would you say that they feel like they have to exist because it brings them more happiness? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, then... Well, then, if you agree, then we should have children. <laughs> I mean, this is the question you have to ask my parents. Because, like, why did you have me? <laughs> Mom, dad, why? But for me, who hasn't, you know, I've not reached that point where I have to ask myself these questions. I feel like it's completely different. Like, I'm, I'm already ex in existence right now, so let me just do my part and do what I have to do. But then, did I really have to exist? Like, that's really the question that is on the... <laughs> Just because we exist doesn't mean that, that we're in the same position, in the different position. It means that we can still have the choice to not exist. But because you kind of, as I understand it, you put the argument that not living is better than living. So if you have that choice, surely the choice should be to not live then. I think something coming into my head is like what you don't know, what you don't know can't kill you, whatever. Whatever exactly. the is. I completely get what Ed was saying. I think it's very different once you have lived and once you have experienced like life. It's a difficult question. I feel like taking life away, your own life is, is just a lot heavier than yeah. not being born. This is what like a lot of uh, existentialist philosophers point out is that at the end of the day, we're all attached to life, even if there's struggles and there always are struggles. No one you know, maybe except for Jeff and Bezos. But everyone has struggles for some much, much worse than others, for sure. But I think at the end of the day, most of us still cherish life as something intrinsically good and, and worth living. And I think to not give people that potential to, to see their first landscape, to have their first kiss, to fall in love for the first time, to, to have like a first party of sorts uh, yeah, all those like amazing moments that stay with you it, it makes me sad to think that there would be people that 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 see that as being selfish but i think that's the whole point of what i'm trying to say like there's people here already who we can give the opportunity to you know see the, these beautiful things and feel these beautiful things and not feel as much pain as they are right now and we're just not doing what we're supposed to be doing but then again like people who are not born they don't know anything i don't know what they know like i think if we all had the opportunity to pick the kind of life that we would live like okay we would all be you know okay and we would all be happy we would all like want to exist and whatnot but then nobody really gets like we are lucky that's what i'm just trying to say like when you spoke about like the beauty of life i completely agree with you you spoke about like all those experiences at like, your first kiss or your first party and i think what happens and it's why edo was like to her parents why was i born because it's a bit like you have assumed that everything you have enjoyed every experience you have by birthing me you've assumed i want that as well you've basically put your meaning of life and you forced it onto me. I guess the issue of like consent. Unfortunately, yeah, someone that doesn't exist can't really give consent. All that we can really rely on is, is I guess the fact that we are capable of enjoying life. What I'm scared about when we talk about limiting populations, not only are developing countries affected the worst by climate change, so like uh, hotter countries become even hotter. A lot of the time when we look to solutions to climate change, some people point out things like, population issues which inadvertently kind of touch on the the poorest people right like for example in terms of uh in terms of like fertility rates like the uk is at 1.8 something like that 
that's not even enough for replacement of a population, which is why there is a need for migration as well. But what I'm trying to get at is that is that in a lot of these poorer countries, the fertility rates are really, really high comparatively. I'm personally really scared that when people say overpopulation is the problem and not system is the problem, that they're going to go look at Nigeria and say, hey, we need to impose laws on Nigeria to limit their population. And for me, that's a form of fascism. It's like not only are they affected by climate change the worst, but also we're looking at them as the problem. You actually came with facts there because it can turn into this whole dystopian, you know, like what the movies look like when they're trying to make people only have two children and stuff like that. It can really turn into that. And we unfortunately will be the ones to bear the brunt. Because like Nigerians don't consume half as much as Americans, you know? So it's like, if if we go down that path, then we might as well ask, why aren't we limiting American populations compared to Nigerians? I feel like it doesn't have to be a blanket rule. We can actually look at these countries individually and think what is causing the problems, because I think that like a lot of this narrative currently is what Scand is saying, and it is a bit like, oh my gosh, there's going to be too many black people in the, world, in the world and like not enough white people. There's a huge difference between that person like having five children than a billionaire having 10 just because they can just because they can afford this surrogate just because they can etc no shade to whoever came to your mind there <laughs> there are different things causing these issues and so i think that that should inspire like different solutions the idea of childbirth and whatnot and you know giving birth to a child i feel like sometimes as women it's kind of puts on us as to be a woman you have to be able to give birth and have a child and you know these kind of things so i think that's why a lot of people also kind of push adoption to the side because it isn't the conventional way that we were supposed to you know bring children into this world but then like i think we're coming to a point where we have to just do away with what is conventional and do what is needed to be done You've both brought up really interesting ideas and concepts. And before I make my decision, you have a final opportunity to get me on your side. It's time for the closing statements. I won't say population control because that sounds a bit, you know, extreme, but we should think more on trying to reduce the amount of children that we are having. We should make contribution more accessible to women and also adoption. We should make it a topic that we actually speak about because I don't think we really actually speak about it and promote it as much as we should. People do donate money to children who are in need and whatnot. Like people are more about that, speak about that. There's ads about that, but then there's none really for adoption and adopting a child. But I mean, I understand that that is something that might be difficult to do, but I think we should try it out. We should, not we should try it out, but we should actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> Like a free adoption trial. <laughs> Try a child for a week. Sorry, oh, no, I'm not, not like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, no, 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 I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. That was a really bad joke. I'll end where I started. There's a massive crisis. Unfortunately, I think we've been told the population's a problem, but everything that I've studied and that other people have studied, uh, experts, scientists, everything tells me that the issue isn't how many children we have, it's how we live. And unfortunately, I'd say to be wary of, of things like population controls, uh, you know, like China has tried it, um, India, Singapore, Vietnam have had some forms of child control. Even the UK actually had a, a form of child control in terms of uh, limiting child benefits. It's caused untold pain for, for parents who, who saw that they couldn't have children. 
um, when really it doesn't it doesn't fix the issues of the world. So I'd say have depth of, of mind and depth of heart. Living is a beautiful thing. Uh, it, it can be a rough time for sure, but I think at the end of the day, we're all glad that, that we're alive. So my decision is... I love the positivity of Skander's debate, you know, focusing on the beauty of life and how if we all live well and we make those systemic changes, then there is room for people on this earth. But I think that given the current climate that we do live in, I think we need to look at ways that we can change the world around us before we start living as if we're already in this new world because at the end of the day, we're not. And so I feel like when you have the sort of solution of there being children on this world who do need love and who do need to experience the good things that we have experienced, then it should be a case of if you really want 14 children, have seven and adopt seven. Instead of bringing 14 new children into a world that is not perfect and that does need a lot of work, when there are other sort of solutions out there for people who have a lot of love to give, then as Eno said, we need to start talking about it more, um, seeing it as a viable option. So Eno, you have won the debate. The motion is closed. We will be back next week with a brand new motion and brand new guests. In the meantime, follow us on at the motion underscore on Instagram, at the motion pod underscore on Twitter. Email us at the motion podcast at gmail.com. And if you want some more, we have loads of episodes. So I mean, just Go find one and you'll love it, I'm sure. So, bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus